morning, folks. Things are moving kind of slow today. Marla got in about, uh, well, we didn't get home until after midnight, so she flew in from Nashville yesterday at this time. She was with our granddaughter, and there was a big party for her for her first birthday. So anyway, so what do you think about our new little lectern here? Bought this for the conference. That particular one over there we didn't think was quite up to snuff. <laughs> so anyway, that's why we got this. Richard thinks it's too big, Eva. He thinks that uh, it's going to corrupt me. <laughs> next, next week we're going to have a worship band right over there. <laughs> we're going to rock out. <laughs> right, right. Well, anyway, let's jump into things. Father, thank you for a beautiful day. We know that folks are here and there and everywhere for all the reasons that people go all over the place in the summertime, but we're grateful that we're here, uh, those of us who can make it, and we're grateful too for the Westminster Standards. We pray today as we reflect on this particular portion on sanctification that you'll help us as we do so. In Christ's name, amen. Okay, so we're in chapter 13, and um, this... uh, Is a, is a subject that is a source of, I guess, a, it's a puzzle for some folks, how sanctification within the Reformed tradition is understood. Uh, I think that there are some misreadings that lead to a kind of, well, a, 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 an approach to thinking about it that is not helpful in the course of sanctification. So anyway, we'll get into that. But let's uh, take a look here at the first paragraph. They who are once effectually called and regenerated, having a new heart and a new spirit created in them, are further sanctified, really and personally, through the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, by his word and spirit dwelling in them. The dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed, and the several lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified, and they more and more uh, quickened and strengthened uh, in all saving graces to the practice of true holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Okay. Uh, Stirring and, I think, inspiring statements there. But um, I think the thing to note is with these uh, clauses that get us started is that there is an effectual calling once effectually called so this is the thing that uh, is required in order for the sanctifying graces to to uh, do their work in us and regenerated having a new heart and a new spirit created in them are further sanctified so I want to think a little bit about uh, sanctification in the abstract here uh, initially. So the term uh, sanctify means to set apart and uh, for a holy purpose. Uh, And then there is also a uh, uh, reality in which the thing that is set apart is purified. So um, like when we think about holiness in the Old Testament, when we think about, say, the things that are used in the tabernacle. They're sanctified. They're set apart for that purpose. They're set apart for that use. Uh, There's also a sense in which because they're sanctified, 
uh, they shouldn't be used in sort of profane ways. That would be uh, a desecration. You know, desecration literally means desanctifying. So there's a sense in which the setting apart and the purity of these things go together. And when we think about sanctification, we see that applied to us as well. So there's a kind of positional character to sanctification. It's the setting apart, putting in a particular place. And then there's the, uh, you know, the, the matter of the purification. And these are the things that are the source of consternation and puzzlement and debate among Christians in terms of how this all is supposed to work, um, particularly as we think about it within the Reformed tradition. So there are some uh, folks who say that because we are uh, in the course of our salvation, as we are effectually called, the ones who are the objects of God's grace and God is at work and we are receiving in, 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 you know, entirely on the receiving end of things, uh, this is also the case in sanctification, which some people seem to sort of take to mean we don't do any work. It just kind of happens to you. <laughs> and so if you're just not feeling uh, you know, like you need to exercise your will, guess what happens? Um, you pretty much stay in a particular state. You don't actually make much progress in sanctification because you're just entirely passive all the time. You're just waiting for the Spirit to do something to you. you know, so you're just in this state of, well, the Spirit isn't moving today. I guess I'm not going to obey. <laughs> okay. it, it, it really gets that weird in some places. Um, but the thing to note here is that uh, once a person is regenerated, there's something about that person that's no longer the case before regeneration. Can you think a little bit about what, what that might mean? What, what's implied in that? What's being regenerated? The original image of God. What's that? I'm sorry. The original image of God that you're creating. Well, there, there's that as, as the sort of the, the goal, the establishment. I'm thinking about the will. So in other words, uh, you go in regeneration from uh, a state of mind and, and sort of spiritual uh, experience where you're just not interested in God at all. You know, you're just trying to get away. You know, uh, the light of God's truth is something you're trying to stay out of. <laughs> you, you don't want to be exposed, right, as being a sinner. Now, in regeneration, um, you know, part of the you know, the, sort of the necessary condition of regeneration is that you are exposed. <laughs> you say, okay, I'm a, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm wicked. I, I've, you know, been doing stuff I shouldn't do, and I've been trying to avoid thinking about it. But once you're regenerated, you go from that to I want to do what God wants. In other words, there's a, an effect upon the will. So because there's an effect upon the will, you can exercise your will in the state of justification of you know once you're regenerate you can exercise your will doesn't mean that your will is uh, everything that you would like it to be or everything it will be but you've got to you've got to start in other words you've got to you got to desire so when, sometimes people will tell me you know if they're particularly if they're struggling with sin um, you know I'm not sure I'm saved and I say well, I'm pretty sure you are you know why you care <laughs> if you didn't care that would be pretty good evidence that you weren't. But the fact that you do demonstrates to me that you are. 
Now the, the question is, is how do you grow stronger in grace? How do you develop in virtue and in holiness? You know, how do you make progress? Uh, there's a struggle, and we're going to get into the struggle here, but what happens in a struggle? Sometimes what happens when you're in a fight? Anybody ever been in a fight? I've been in several fights in my life. You know, I, I, I won half, which means I lost the others. <laughs> and and uh, so anyways, you know, I've been, I've been in fights. And even when you win, sometimes you get knocked down. Sometimes you get hurt. Sometimes you get punched in the face and you say, out, man, I didn't like that at all. <laughs> I'm going to punch you back now. <laughs> but in a fight, it doesn't mean that, that the victor uh, is never you know, damaged. It doesn't mean the victor is never on the mat. The difference between the victor and the, the victim <laughs> is who gets up last. That's the whole story. <laughs> who gets up last? Now, you know, obviously you got some guys like Mike Tyson who rarely go down. Uh, most of us are not that, you know. Most of us are, you know, just, we're like Rocky, getting knocked around. <laughs> if you've seen the Rocky series, you know, like, what, what happens in the first one? He's got a moral victory, but he loses, you know. He just, he, he was actually standing at the end, and it was a decision that, you know, he lost. But, in the course of the, the succeeding films, you know, he actually wins. But that's the thing. So the fact you get knocked down is kind of a given. If you're not perfected yet, that means you're going to lose some days. I think that sometimes we set kids up, particularly young men, for atheism. Because we create this incredibly, you know, sort of uh, pristine standard of perfection that no one lives up to. And then they just get discouraged. They say, I, you know, I, I keep getting knocked down by this or that. You know, I'm thinking particularly sexual temptation. I am just keep getting knocked down by this. Well, I mean, yeah, you're young. You're just getting used to this. You've got to learn some self-control. You've got to de develop some mastery in your life. How does that happen? Practice, 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 practice. You keep getting up, you keep getting up, you keep getting up. And the good news is, is it does get better. It really does. I'm almost 60 years old. <laughs> and I'm better than I was. That's the thing to keep in mind. You do make progress. And it's the last one standing, the last one standing. That's the thing. So whenever I talk to people about this stuff, that's what I stress. Get up, get up. Yeah, you know, you ever, what was that film? Get up. <laughs> and the guy's like, out. I think I can't remember. It was like a, it was like just this, I think it was like a boxing movie, you know. And it just keeps hearing, get up. And you see him staggering to his, his feet, you know, and just kind of like barely, uh, you know, able to keep himself from falling down again. That's kind of the thing to keep in mind. So when it comes to sanctification, now, uh, I think that when it comes to this particular, the temptations of the flesh, uh, they're so evident. They're so easy to kind of uh, identify and say, well, that's an issue. But that doesn't mean that other sins are less sinful. In fact, uh, the spiritual sins are the more 
um, heinous um, sins that have to do with like pride or have to do with bitterness or or vindictiveness or malice you know, those sins are are ones that not only ruin you but ruin everybody around you so you know just because this particular sort of evidence sin and of course we live in a super sexually charged world right now well, it's always been that way but it's just like we've invented new ways to do evil you know that's the that's the thing that we've we, we deal with now so you go back to the first century you know augustine saint augustine in his confessions O lord deliver me from lust but not yet <laughs> you know he actually says that you know that was his state of mind so uh it's a it's a, it's a it's kind of a it's not, nothing new in this particular regard but i also think that because some people uh, let me put it another way i think sometimes sometimes because people's sins uh are less evident we think that they're necessarily more spiritual you know um so in some some cases i think that um, you're not dealing with this holiness, you're just dealing with fear. In other words, they really do want to do certain things. They're just afraid to do them. But in their hearts, they do them. And that's as bad. Anyway, so I've let the cat out of the bag, the elephant's in the room, we all know it. <laughs> so how do, we, how do we think about this? How do we deal with it? So once you're called and regenerated, you means you care. It means you want to do what's right. You have a new heart. That new heart is the heart that wants to do what's right. A new spirit. So you're positionally sanctified. You're in Christ. That's an important thing to keep in mind. If you're in Christ, that means that um, you're in God, the, this location. That's a great location to be in. Um, you're not condemned, Right? You are in a position where, um, you know, staying honest with God and confessing your sins is something you do, and you uh, trust God's grace for your sanctification, but also for your failures along the way. So you, you grow in grace. Any thoughts about any of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've heard it said when you become a believer, you do not become sinless, but you sin less. And then um, I had a conversation at a previous church, reformed, very reformed lady, who I think she struggled a little bit with this because um, she tied it more closely to justification because of the perseverance of the saints, that it's God who perseveres us. So she was falling off the wrong side of the horse where it's all God and we're passive, but my reading of, of scripture, especially Paul, was in Romans 7, is just a struggle that we have. And some people try to do gymnastics and say he wrote that before he was a believer, and that's, I think that's ridiculous. But I think he writes that as a believer, that we're, we uh, work on our salvation. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's so, so, you know, we, we're very much, we're modernistic in salvation, but I think we're, I, it's hard to, you know, hard, hard to use the word synergistic, but we're almost synergistic. No, we are. Same, it was a sanctification it is, because Let's just think about it this way. When you get to heaven, God's an issue. In heaven? Yeah. No. Do you think your will is completely uh, 
redeemed. Yeah. That means you can do things yeah. that are good. <laughs> so that means, you know, in the state that we're in now, we've got a mixed bag. Yeah. You know, so uh, there are things you do that are good, some things you don't do there. You know, you do things that are not good. So the idea that we should just completely be passive and sort of be blown along like a leaf on the wind is just insane. Um, you have to exercise your will. Your will is the thing that's part of the regenerative process. Your mind is regenerated. So that means the commands are like really commands. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> you know, it's not like uh, just there to make you feel more guilty. You know, uh, so there is a sense in which the commands are to direct us. So that doesn't mean this is what saves you. It's not, it's not your, it's, it's the evidence that you are saved. We are, we are, uh, we think about, you know, Ephesians, let's go right to it. Ephesians 2, our, our favorite passage about justification and faith and grace. So if we go to, to this and we say, uh, For by grace, this is verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is a gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, is there an exercise of your will in performing those good works? course. It's stupid to think otherwise. <laughs> it really is. I'm, obs I'm just like, what are you thinking when people imply that there's like no obedience in the Christian life? That's what you get in some place, some weird corners. So uh, is this the result of God's workmanship? Of course. But what is God working on? Your will to want to do what's right. Does that mean you always do it? No. <laughs> We're going to get to that. So anyway, other thoughts? Yeah, Mark? Just in terms of um, sexual temptation and how central that is to the sanctification of a young man. Right and how it is central to the sanctification of a young woman because she's trying to attract young men. Right. So the whole thing comes into it. And then how the results of that, what a young man and a young woman do in terms of how they understand it, how they live it out, yep. then had the ramifications for the rest of their life in terms of their fruitfulness in their marriage, in their church, in their society. Yep. Is enormous, so it's it's an interesting thing in, in the sense that it's not it's not a sanctification that's separated from all the institutions that God has created. Oh, it's yeah. a sanctification that touches those, and the fruits of it show the results yeah. based on how it how it falls out, not just in the individual you know man's heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We want to make it just all about our personal experience, but in fact, it affects everything. So, you know, there are, you, I think, dynamics that, you know, in our society today, we're, so like, remember the me generation, the 70s, 
So like during the me generation, I grew up in the me generation. It's interesting how that's, that, that term is not remembered by folks who don't live in the 70s or didn't live, live in the 70s. It was a completely different world then. Pastor Wiley, I never heard of Well, maybe, maybe it's just my circles. I, if you, if you Google me generation, it comes right up, 1970s. <laughs> and and uh, today we have helicopter parenting. Today we had no, or back in those days, we had no parenting. <laughs> it, was, it, was like, it was like everybody was trying to find themselves. You remember that? I got to find myself. And it always seemed like to find yourself, you had to abandon all of your responsibilities. <laughs> you had to leave your, your kids in the lurch. You had to kind of just kind of go into yourself all the time. My parents were both really into themselves. I was completely, completely, it's just so wild. You, you just would not, you just have no, young people, they have no idea. I was gone. You know, I got into all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you know, when I talk about fights, most of that was kind of the time in my life. I was, you know, out in all kinds of environments and settings and stuff like that. And uh, I, uh, you know, did all kinds of stuff that I'm not going to tell you about. <laughs> but it was because I had like zero supervision. There were no cell phones. You know, like when I want to know where my kids are, I just pick up my cell phone and say, well, there he is. He's at home. <laughs> I know where they are. Uh, my parents, you know, not only didn't they know, they didn't care. <laughs> I could be jumping off a cliff. In fact, sometimes I was. <laughs> it was that wild because they were so into themselves that they lost sight of everything else. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of people were damaged because of that, you know, really got messed up. So now we have parents who are supervising the mess up process. <laughs> I just, <laughs> look at some of the stories. You let your kid do what? <laughs> That's insane. You subjected them to what procedure? Yeah. You expect to have grandchildren now? <laughs> that kind of just wild what's going on. But anyway. Um, how do I get on that? Yeah, okay. Well, I was going to say the for the believer, the law takes on a whole different situation. You know, before you know, we're, we our will is hostile to the things of God. We're blinded by the, the prince of the power of the air. But when we're believers, we can say things like David, "Oh, how I love your law." Yeah. You know? And I think that's that's, that's one of the things that helps us guide us in our sanctification. Yeah. Is what God has taught us in His Word and the, the principles and the commandments, which are for our benefit. And you know, and the benefit of others, but for our benefit in, in our uh, in our walk in righteousness. Well, and that's what I've, I was referring to when I was getting at the idea that you care, you want, you love the law, you want to do it. Before you're regenerated, you just want to look like you do. You have no genuine interest in actually, you know, doing it. You just want to make sure that no one, you know, uh, is going to punish you for what you really want. Yeah, I'm always amazed at uh, in every sphere of the physical realm, from the molecular to uh, animal kingdom, to every level of the sphere of the human um, life, there's a constant friction and battle. It's like God is a God of war. It's like there's no place where there's this peace of it's like a constant friction. Molecular things are friction to hold. It's just fascinating to me. And, well, uh, <laughs> like when you think about 
you know, the spirit of Cain and Abel, and Cain is confronted by the Lord after the murder of his brother. Uh, and, you know, the Lord says, sin is crouching at the door. You know, you must overcome it. In other words, you have to, like, engage and fight this thing. And that's the thing that's the big challenge, of course. So when it comes to self-mastery, that's a uh, thing that you get better at as you practice, work at it. So if you want to master, uh, you know, sin and you want to master your passions, and I think that's the thing to think about here, because passions are very inclusive. So when we think about sexual passions, that's a particular kind of passion. But there are other passions. And the passions aren't necessarily entirely bad. They have their time, they have their place. Uh, but the problem is, is that they don't like to stay in their place. They don't like to, you know, so like, let's think about anger. Okay, so anger is appropriate. Under the right conditions. Can you think of an example of when anger is a good thing? When you're selling doves in the outer court? Yeah, well, that'd be an example. Or when someone insults your wife. You know, if somebody insults your wife and you say, hey, no biggie. What's that say? But, but, yeah. but with anger comes response. Sure. Now, Time for you to say, you don't speak to my wife that way. So anger uh, is a... Is a uh, passion that can serve justice. Think of the zeal of Phineas. What's that? I think of the zeal of Phineas. Yeah, yeah. But I'm just thinking just in general. So I, 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 I'm, I'm completely with you, Jonathan. I'm completely with you, David. We, we, we justify anger in holy causes. But just in the course of your daily life, there are times to be angry. And sometimes, um, you know, we, we have this idea that it would always be wrong and under, under any conditions. Well, how do you, what about forgiveness? Well, yeah, but uh, you have to acknowledge that there was a wrong. When you don't acknowledge there was a wrong, like this whole student loan forgiveness thing, they're not looking for forgiveness. They think they have a right to a free lunch. That's what's really going on. So like when they're confronted with, you know, that would be uh, unjust, just think about the people that just last year paid off their loans, working hard, going without. And you get off, what about them? What about moral hazard? All this kind of stuff. They're, they're not interested in thinking about any of that stuff. They just think that they have a right to be able to get a free lunch. Now, if, if they were con truly contrite and say, you know, I did something really stupid. I paid $50,000 for gender studies degree. <laughs> Please forgive me. <laughs> I don't want to have to like lay on my back for the rest of my life until that, you know, is finally resolved. Uh, you know, or I made a bad choice. Like, think about, I have young people I've known who worked really hard to be really responsible, who went to community college for two or three years, matriculated into a more expensive program, ended up get, getting a degree from the school that they really wanted, but worked really hard to think about, how am I going to get out of this with the lowest amount of debt possible? They behaved in a responsible way. So it's, we should be angry you know, over an injustice when that person 
uh, is in a sense told they were a fool. Yep, yeah. Yeah, or just uh, things that are uncomfortable. You know, some people just don't like confrontation. I'm not like a guy that just loves confrontation. But there are times when it's time, you know, you need to stand up and confront something and deal with it. So like when I was raised, you know, when, I, when we were raising our sons, um, I wanted to see the edge. I, want, I didn't want them to be completely passive and, uh, and doormats and, that kind of thing. I wanted the edge, but I wanted the edge at the right time and the right way. And when I saw that, I would say, that was good. If it was inappropriate, I would tell them that. You know, that's not the way we do things. But there are times to say that was wrong. You're not going to treat me that way. You better stop. <laughs> You know, in order to project authority. Yeah, David. On that topic, I'd be more inclined to um, be a little bit upset at my son's future response to somebody just insulting him. Say they just they just said something rude to him, and he, he went off and maybe smacked him in the head. Uh, versus my son seeing a man trying to assault a woman and take her purse. And then he went over and literally beat the living daylights out of him. I might be more inclined to rebuke him for the first, and then sort of guide him on the second one. Yeah, or just you know, these things, and they just in the course of your daily life, there are you know dozens of times, you know, in the court, you know, in a week, where you know you have to regulate your passion. You have to think about. So we have this idea that if something is spontaneous, it's natural that it just is should be allowed to kind of sort of go anywhere it wants. But that's not uh, a good way to think about nature, let alone you know, what you do with your passions. So let me, let me kind of you know, spell this out. So um, there are times, you know, just think about you know, Ecclesiastes, a time to kill. Okay, when is that? <laughs> you know, what are the conditions that have to be uh, the case in order for that to be the right response? There's a time to forgive. There's time, you know, there are these times. There's time for everything. So, so that means that the, what's natural is what's good for you as a human according to your nature. Is it good for you just to give yourself over to your passions. Is that natural? No, that's actually unnatural because it does not serve the good of you as a human being made in the image of God. So what's natural is to exercise a faculty that God gave you, judgment and self-control, and order your life in such a way so as to further the good in any particular situation you might find yourself in. You know, it might mean stepping into a situation where somebody is mistreating somebody else, or it might be in a situation where you stand up for yourself. Am I making sense? <laughs> yeah, it's so for sanctification, would you say like the second chapter of James, faith without works is dead? Well, I think that's, that's definitely is part of the total package. Without work, without our works, 
Yeah, we don't sanctify ourselves, but obedience and holiness is the practice of, of you know, a person who is in the process of, of growing in grace. And so sanctification is part of that. So if we don't read God's word, we won't be filled with God's word? Right, yeah. There's certain things we have to do in order for certain results to occur. So the appointed means of grace have to be um, uh, applied, exercised, that kind of thing. But definitely when we think about growing in knowledge and depth of insight, if you don't spend any time in God's word, how is that going to happen? So salvation is a forgiveness, but sanctification is not. Sanctification is a is a something that uh, occurs through justification because we are now in Christ. That's a positional element. You can't have that one. No. Yep. Now you're you're outside. Now you're in. So you're in this this location. Think about it that way. I'm in Christ. So I've been sanctified in that I've been taken and set apart. I've been taken from the world and put into the kingdom of light. That's, that's happened. Now I'm growing in grace. The work of the Spirit in my life is, is stirring me in the pursuit of you know, holiness in the sense of wanting to bear the image of God, right? As you brought up earlier. And I'm making progress. I'm, I'm fighting this fight now. Uh, I'm now on God's team. <laughs> And there are things in me that need to be mastered. There are things that in me that are in me that I must overcome. I must denounce. I must uh, mortify, even kill. There are certain things that just have to go. And that is what goes on over the Christmas light. And there are days where I'm, you know, uh, seeing some good things, and there are days where I'm not. You know, I'm getting knocked down. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking about nature. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be some order. consequences. So, in the human realm, yeah. order has to happen because nature loves order, and there is going to be consequences when things get out of order. Yeah, and this is why we could say that giving yourself over to your destructive passions, they're destructive because they have leaped the, the fence. So, like, when I think, when I sometimes when I talk to young men, I think it's say to them, you've got a stallion. There's this, this uh, you know, sensuality that, uh, you know, is God's gift to you. But that doesn't mean that it is just allowed to run amok. Stallions need the bit. Yeah, the stallions need the bit. They need, to be in the, they need to be in the stall most of the time, or when they shouldn't be out. And now occasionally there'll be a temptation and you'll hear <laughs> reminding you, oh, you there's something back the there. <laughs> Yeah, and, and of course, with men, it's a visual thing most of the time. It's like, and then the guy has to say, oh, i got to get that under control. So, you know, that's, that's work. Yeah, thank you. Um, the last part of that first paragraph is troubling. Without which no man should see the Lord? Yeah, so... so it's from the Bible, you know. <laughs> troubling. Bible almost specifically says that about perfect holiness and the 
fear the Lord without which no one will see the Lord. Right. J.C. Ryle wrote a whole book on that verse, you know, holiness. So there is, and the uh, confession just as Lord, there is an um, inextricable, or I'm not sure what the word is, but connection between justification and sanctification. I was asked last night, Roman Catholic friend who's talking like justification is sanctification. In other words, I yeah. need to do this, this, and this. And so it is a work of God. It's, um, but the difference, and if you look at the larger catechism, there's two questions there. But one of the questions, what's the difference between justification and sanctification? And the answer is, justification is an act of God's free grace. Sanctification is a work of God's free grace. Yeah, so to me, the saving graces are uh, the adoption is in between these two, and it's like so amazing link because he's the, the confession writers are saying there's a link here and it's adoption, and you receive this wonderful thing we call sanctification. It's not like, oh, bummer, I can't watch the Dodgers on Sunday. You know, it's a joy to come into the house of God to fight the good work of faith and so it is I believe that we have to put in our minds that this was the difference between Rome and non-Rome was the word infuse or impart and so we're not infused with sanctification we're imparted with it perhaps but not infused we're infused with justification everything flows out of that and so we can get that in our heads, I think it would be a lot easier for, for a reformed Christian to utilize or, or administer the graces of God, including the reading of God's word and, and prayer and so forth. Means of grace. They're means of grace. So it's all grace, I guess yeah. my point, but yeah. it, it's helpful, I think, to use those. This is what I told my son-in-law why he was driving on the road. Too, that, that, I, that I try to encourage uh, young people and everybody to think about is that you know when we think about all of this it's 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 a, what we're what we're trying to do and this is why I got to the passions what we're trying to do is is um, order them to God's glory not trying to like uh, see them obliterated so anger to the glory of God um, marital relations to the glory of God. You know, these these are the, these are all ways in which these passions. Now, when you're when you uh, are being sort of propelled by the passions, that means that even as you're giving yourself over to them, you're not doing so in a in a way that completely gives over all of the self control. There's still a sense in which even in anger, you are measuring it out. So what would be a just, um, you know, sort of approach to this? Well, you know, proportion. Think about eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. Now, I know that we say that because Christ addresses that in the way he does, 
that, that is never something we ought to think about, but it actually is an unavoidable. So, if, uh, if, so this is also God's word. What we're, what we're talking about with an eye for an eye or tooth truth is to keep the uh, retribution in check. <laughs> so what did, what did Cain say uh, you know, when he talked about someone doing wrong to him? Yeah, he's going to pay him back with interest, baby. Completely wipe him out. <laughs> that's, that's the situation that is uh, the case when the passions run amok. You say, you, you hurt me, I'm going to really hurt you. That kind of thing. So an eye for an eye is actually regulatory. It's meant to regulate the, this matter of the administration of justice. It's, it's, you know, when we say, oh, that's too harsh. What are we saying? We're saying that the punishment doesn't, doesn't you know, fit the crime. Um, now, when we say, uh, you know, you, what's the big deal? Why don't you just get over it? What we're, what we're also saying in that sense is that uh, what had been done to you wasn't all that bad. Uh, and so consequently, you should be able to turn away from, you know, your need for that. Now, when it comes to forgiveness, Forgiveness is this is the thing to keep in mind with forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't mean that no one pays. Forgiveness means the the harmed party pays. Think about the illustrations that we have when it comes to debt in Scripture. When someone forgives a debt, what happens? They go without payment. Who paid? The forgiver. Amazing thing when we say, you know, forgive me, forgive us our debts. <laughs> we have debts that we've incurred to God, and uh, we've also uh, had you know, wrongs performed against us in which other people are now indebted to us because God has forgiven us our debts. He's paid. How did he pay? The cross. Hello. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't just, oh, I, it wasn't a big deal. Got more where that came from. Who cares? Wasn't that at all? He sends his son, pays the price. So when we forgive, we pay the price. I'm going to go without. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to require you to pay me back. That's how this stuff works. It's not just gooey, gooey, warm and chewy. <laughs> you know, everybody's happy now. You know, sweetness and light. Uh, there's blood that's spilled. My own. I think a great grace that God's given is in a position or the uh, the ideal of a third party to to regulate what you just talked about. So that's where the judge is coming. Right. So when when someone hurts me, um, God would really find it honorable for me to forgive, but the state doesn't forgive or forget, nor does it, it just... It's, it's well, this is like right out of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You remember that scene, don't you? Uh, they're, they're at the baptism, you know, they're, they're convicts on the run. Delmar, I think it's Delmar, you know, he gets saved. What's he, he comes out of the water, my sins are all forgiven! <laughs> and, and what does uh, Ulysses or, or Everett McGill say? He says, you know, is it Delmar? I think it's Delmar, right? Delmar... You know, 
that's the Lord. The state of Mississippi has a forgiven you. <laughs> so anyway. But how does this all tie together? Well, getting back to this idea of the passions, where I kind of got into this was with anger. So, you know, when we think about anger, we're not, we're told to, to order our anger in a way that's just. That's what we're told to do, not to be without anger. And that's, so now when we think about this matter of uh, overcoming temptation, let me just give you some, some advice. Um, if, you, if you just empty the room, in other words, if you just simply don't do what you know is wrong, that's uh, leaving a void. You've got to displace or refill the empty space with the right stuff. Uh, one of the reasons why people have a hard time kind of getting beyond certain sins is because they just fixate on no, no, no. What happens when you're like in a diet and you're just like always thinking about food? Eventually you eat what you shouldn't eat, right? It's like, don't touch the red button. <laughs> so you, can't, you just can't get the dumb button off your mind now. You kind of think about it all the time. So when it comes to... Um, you know, this, matter, this whole matter of growing in grace, it's often uh, a matter of displacement, sort of replacing the wrong with the right, doing something that will fill the empty space. So you're not doing one thing, you're not doing something you shouldn't do, great. Do something you should. Occupy yourself with that. And that's going to help. It doesn't mean it's faultless, it doesn't mean that you'll never have a weak moment, but it does mean that... Um, you know, there's something that you're doing that's worthwhile and that is right. So just a kind of practical tip. Um, so we are sanctified by the virtue of Christ's death and resurrection, his word and spirit dwelling in us. So the word, as David noted earlier, it's important that we fill our minds with God's word the Spirit is active. The Spirit is working in us to will and to do. So that's going on. That's not our will. That's God's will. God's will is at work in us through His Spirit. There's something going on. But we are responding to the work of God. We're saying yes. We're saying amen You know, to God's Spirit in us. And we are uh, obeying. So now the dominion of the whole body of sin is destroyed... That's uh, an objective fact. Christ has done what needed to be done. But see how it follows in the next clause. The several lusts thereof, this is the passions, but I was getting at so the, the passions that are out of order. Uh, several lusts thereof are more and more weakened and mortified. So something is done, but there's also something that's progressing. So what Christ has done has saved us, but then as we uh, are, you know, enjoying, maybe that's not the right way to put it, but I think it's a, it's a good way to put it, or maybe maybe a better way to put it or say this is, uh, sometimes we don't enjoy the process, but we enjoy the benefits, if you get my drift on that. Um, so it's just like we enjoying uh, the benefits of exercise, but, any given moment in time, it can be a very painful thing, you know. But 
we're enjoying the benefits of God's saving grace as God's Spirit works in us with our will to you know, bring uh, our lusts uh, into you know, the place where they're either weaker or they're mortified or both, and more and more quickened and strengthened by in all saving graces. So the, the things that we want to encourage are happening, and uh, they're developing and growing stronger. Now, one of the things about this, too, is that sometimes we don't appreciate the progress. When I was a kid, you know, I remember kindergarten, we were all given Dixie cups of dirt. Remember this? We were all told to plant a little seed. And you come back every day, and you look at it, and there's nothing. <laughs> and then you dig it up, <laughs> and you kill what's growing. <laughs> right. but, but the idea is, is that the progress... Is, <laughs> but progress is something that happens, but it's not happening at the, at the breakneck speed or instantaneously like we'd like. But there's progress. And that's the thing that we need to keep in mind. And it's, it's, it's also uh, more evident when we can see you know, sort of a picture of what we were and what we are. You know? So I used to do a lot of journaling. Uh, you know, and I, you, know, you go back, and I've got boxes of these journals. You know, I haven't done journaling for years, but you go back and say, man, was I stupid. <laughs> I can't believe I thought that way. Or, man, I was dealing with that issue at that time. And I'm in a different place now. But it's years that have gone by. Any other? Yeah. I, I keep coming back to this concept. Sometimes when you teach, things just stick in my head. A lot of stuff she said to stick in my head, but some stuff. <laughs> I got sticky words. Yeah. Well, you, you mentioned something, and it, and it wasn't really Bible related, but it ties into our sanctification. How the the ancients used to think of the head, the chest, yeah, well, yeah. the passion, and right. and it gets out of order. And sanctification is get it in order. And I thought maybe that could tie into this because if the passion's leading you, if your well, your gut's leading you, yeah. then you're out of order. Yeah, and we see James, you know, talk about that in, you know, his epistle. Yeah. You know, why are there quarrels among you? It's your passions that were within you. Um, and then, you know, Paul talking about their God is their stomach. You know, uh, that's when you're out of, you know, you get your appetites are out of work. Yeah, what was that? What was the the Well, it's the, 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 you know, reason, yeah. you know, reason. Now, when we think about reason today, we tend to think about it in a sort of bloodless way, like, you know, when we think about like maybe trigonometry or something. But reason was something that uh, was practical in character in most of the time that people are talking about this. So it's, it's your capacity for judging yourself. Okay, that's, it's a moral faculty and it and it's resides at the top. And then uh, your uh, you know, capacity to to exercise judgment would be things like you know virtues like courage and love and faith and these different kinds of things, and then your appetites you need them. I mean, you got to eat. Eating is good, right? Overeating is not so good, <laughs> right? Uh, drinking is good. Overdoing that is not good. So it's a matter of regulating. So that the the Judging that you're uh, 
engaged in is intended to bring your passions into proper, you know, sort of alignment with what's good for you, what's good for other people, what's, to, you know, to God's glory, all of those things. So it's not, you know, I'm never going to eat again, ever. No, <laughs> that's how you die, right? No, I'm going to eat at the right time in the right way and so forth, and I'm going to grow in my ability to do that. That's the thing. So, uh, but there are going to be times where, you know, uh, it's harder to do, you know, when it's, when you fail to do it the right way or whatever. But growing in your ability to, to exercise uh, self-control. So when it gets to the virtues, the virtues are, are those things in our lives. Well, another way to think about it, like the fruit of the Spirit, those are the things that are part of us that God has granted to us to help us to regulate. So like in a, in like in a, in a community you'll have the head, the chest, and the stomach. And you need each for a healthy community. The head would be the, 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 the rulers who are judging the community to make certain that everything is being done in accordance with the good of the community. The chest, or the virtues, would be like the police, um, the regulatory authorities, these different uh, you know, uh, people who are engaged in making sure that what the judgments have, you know, have been decreed are carried out and observed. And then you have the people who are, you know, just going about their daily business trying to make a living. And, you know, what do they, what do they want? Well, they want to become wealthier. They want to uh, see their um, bank accounts grow, but they also want to see their love lives <laughs> grow. <laughs> you know, all these different things. And, but you got to make sure that people doing things in the right way. Otherwise, you end up with a bad result in the, for, the, every, for everybody. Well, um, why don't we uh, wrap it up with a prayer if there's, I, I don't want to cut anybody off that's been itching to ask a question or make a statement or anything. Okay, let's pray. Father, uh, as we think about this matter of, of uh, bringing uh, the various parts of our lives into conformity uh, with your plan for us. Uh, sometimes we get discouraged. Uh, we have things in our lives that we're working at, on and just don't seem to be making as much progress as we'd like to make or as quickly as we may, we'd like to see. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you'll encourage us and strengthen us and, and, and uh, give us more resolve uh, to move forward in these areas. Help us, Lord, also to remember that it's the desire to do what's right that is evidence that you're already at work in us. You're working in us to will and to do according to your good purposes. And that the struggle that we're engaged in will end someday uh, when we're glorified and in your presence. But in the meantime, we can make progress and help us to remember that and encourage us to do so. In Christ's name, amen.